It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, welcome again to the podcast. Today I'll be talking with Christy Tanner of the Detroit Free Press about her extensive reporting on Michigan bridges, the conditions, the inspections, and how decades of underinvestment have forced several local agencies to restrict loads or even close some bridges. We're talking about it now because Christy spoke to the Transportation Asset Management Council about her findings this week. So thank you for your time, Christy. Hey, Jeff. So, um, like I said, you've done probably the most extensive reporting perhaps ever on Michigan bridge conditions and the processes for monitoring and inspecting. Um, You know, I think back to the I-35 bridge collapse in Minnesota, and there was some reporting in Michigan following that, uh, people trying to find out about inspection processes and whether we had similarly designed bridges. But after that, uh, nobody really took a hard look at this. I know um, when I was at the Grand Rapids Press, I'm live, did a pretty extensive infrastructure look in one month in 2010, but it didn't delve into these bridge conditions. So tell me first, what, what was the genesis for this project and, and what interested you and got you into it? Well, um, I had to credit it to a former editor that was used to work at the Free Press. Uh, gosh, late end of 2018, there were a series of bridge closings and weight restrictions that happened in um, in around Metro Detroit on local bridges, and he asked me to take a closer look at it. Also, being the data reporter at the Free Press, these issues with bridges are very um, number-heavy, so, as you know, probably, um, there are a lot of inspections and ratings and numbers and there's mapping and statistics involved. So, he thought it'd be a good candidate to look into it. Um, and it turned out to be uh, a lot of fun. So, it, it did seem like you had a lot of fun. Obviously, we talked and you talked to our bridge engineers uh, quite a bit along the way. Um, so, I, I guess I'm wondering, what do you think resonated especially with you um, you know, you talked about the one story. You said you can blame the weather. More so, you should blame the funding, which is tied to state transportation spending. Michigan historically has not put enough into fixing its bridges. In 2015, Michigan ranked 42nd nationwide for road spending for every 10,000 vehicle miles traveled, according to the Citizens Research Council. And I should mention that the CRC has done some some great research on these things. So talk about your conclusions and, and how you arrived at, at those three key sentences, I guess, that kind of summed up everything. Well, and as you know, a lot has changed over the last couple of years, especially since 2015. Our funding has increased, right, but it remains uh, short of what is needed. I think what really, really maybe surprised me, because I'm not an expert in um, bridges or transportation for that matter, I um, I enjoy working with statistics and data and learning about these things, but what, the one thing that surprised me is just the gap, what still remains despite the um, increase in dollars that's occurred over the last couple of years. I don't know, part of, the, part of the findings also were that in 2018, the total cost to replace Michigan's roughly 1,200 bridges that were in poor or worse condition was $3.4 billion just for those 1,200 bridges alone that are in poor condition. And of that, a majority of that money, $1.9 billion, more than half would be required for local agencies to address their bridges. So when it comes to funding, I think the biggest takeaway for me personally was the gap between the need and the availability. 
availability of funds, and then how that gap varied by owner. And if you give me one more second, I'll try to explain. It's very complex, and then I'll then I'll stop. But I'm not sure if your listeners know. I didn't know all of this at the time. That the main source of funding for local bridges are the state dollars from the Michigan Transportation Fund. And that fund, created by Public Act 51, everyone calls it Act 51, is revenue raised primarily from motor fuel taxes and registration fees. So um, just like the state, a majority of local governments spend their money on roads and not on bridges, but that Michigan Transportation Fund really is the source of funding for bridge spending, and the need is far outweighs uh, what's available in terms of dollars for local communities to address that gap in funding. That's very well said. You, you, you've got it, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on this, but in 2015, when the last funding increase was passed, and it was a combination of uh, increase in fuel taxes and registration fees and a promise to dedicate some income tax money that would otherwise go to the general fund to roads, um, several people said at the time, you know, this is a good start. This isn't enough, but it's a good start. And I think that um, a lot of people didn't realize that. They just thought, well, I, I thought we solved the problem. And so it raises the question, and again, you don't have to weigh in on this, but if you do something and you make a big deal out of it and you know it's not enough, have you done more harm than good? Because it makes it more difficult to you know, go all the way and get the big lift that you need. I think that what really, and when you dig into these numbers further, because that $3.4 billion at the time, that's 2018 number, I'm sure it's larger now um, because... You know, our number of bridges in poor conditions continues to increase. Therefore, the cost to address them will increase. But that number is so large. But if you think about it in terms of maybe um, a county road commission, you know, counties own, other than the state, counties own a lot of bridges. We County is, is an outlier um, and for two reasons. One, um, there is one of the five counties with the largest number of bridges. They own over 300 such bridges more than 300 bridges, um, 231 are required to be inspected because they're longer than 20 feet and they're on public roads. But the problem there is that they have a lot of bridges, but they also have one and three bridges are in poor condition. So according to the MDOT data and the analysis we did, it would cost more than $400 million to replace their poor condition bridges alone, just the poor ones. And if you look at the money um, they get from the MTF, the Michigan Transportation Fund, the last year I looked at it, they got $77 million and of that, $10 million is used on their annual bridge budget. So there's a clear gap, and it's not just in this extreme example in Wayne County. You can go online and read the stories. Um, we've got it for every community. Even though it's a year old, it's still telling about what the gap is um, between what's needed and what's available with the current conditions. Yeah, and I'll definitely include a link to, to the stories in the show notes so that people can get to those. Um, and Jeff, I have a question for you. Sorry. No. Surprise. And, and if you think about the readers, um, hopefully I'll have time to do some follow-up um, this year, um, between now and the new year, that um, just think about the decrease in um, traffic volumes, right, and transportation revenues and how that's going to impact our local communities um, in the up-and-coming fiscal year. Maybe you can answer that question for me, Jeff. Well, I can tell you that when Moody's did their analysis of the bond sales for the Governor's Rebuilding Michigan Plan, they said that while volumes were down, um, kind of settled at about uh, 20% lower now than they would be um, in a normal year after being down as much as 60%, you know, when, when the outbreak yeah. first surfaced and, and we were in, in total 
uh, kind of stay home mode. Uh, but still, that's that's going to take a toll on transportation revenues. Not as severe as originally thought. People are back out there, as you've noticed, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. People are buying cars, which is, uh, I mean, we have to continue registering our cars whether they're new or not. But obviously, registering newer vehicles brings in more money um, since we do our registration based on value in Michigan. So um, yeah, it's 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 concerning. I think you're you're right, especially the local agencies. I mean, the the cities. Uh, the municipalities are going to be hit especially hard, and that's why this debate continues in D.C. about what should be next in a stimulus plan and how much of it should go to cities because their revenues are going to be down in every way, and uh, having less money from the MTF coming in is going to also have an effect on what they can do with their, their roads and bridges. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem. I mean, we're still driving. People are back on the roads, many driving too fast, but that's a whole other issue for another podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the answer to your question is that it's, it's, it's troubling and it's something our finance folks are keeping a close eye on. I'll be calling. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know, but I asked the questions here, all right? Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, listen, uh, I want to know, because you brought it up, uh, what you learned along the way. You wouldn't have known probably that we had, you know, some 600 road agencies in Michigan and how how you came to understand MDOT's role, I guess, in in monitoring even those bridges that don't belong to the, to the state system that are part of those local systems? Well, I learned really um, the last story that I worked on that published early this year in January is really how important, it's, it sounds boring, but really how important inspections are to ensure the safety of our local infrastructure and the safety of us driving around in the public. And that's part of the reason why we spend a lot of time on this project in the beginning because when you get a set of data that tells you there are 13,000 bridges in Michigan, 11,000 are required to be, or more just over 11,000 to have regular inspections because of their characteristics, um, their length, and their location on public roads. Then the question is, well, what do these numbers mean? Um, Because there's a rating scale, and you know, I'll be honest, you know, we've done some quick hit stories on just ratings and percent of poor bridges and and kind of how things fall, but really the goal of this project was really to understand how states and local governments work together to ensure that this, what this actual rating means, what does it mean to be a poor condition? So probably you don't want me to go too far in the weeds. I did in the, in the series of stories, I went, probably in my last story, I went way too far in the weeds. Now that I'm reading it again, I'm a little embarrassed that I went so far in the weeds. Um, but really um, deep in the weeds about the relationship between state and local governments and how that inspection cycle is, is used to make sure that bridges are safe. Um, and also a number of other, there's a quality assurance, quality control review. There's a lot of different, um, I guess, processes that are, that are in place to make sure that things don't slip through the, loop the holes, but sometimes they do, and we've written about those too. Sometimes in cases, you know, the data don't reflect reality. Sometimes that inspection doesn't reflect what that bridge looks like. So um, there is a lot of working together between MDOT and the locals in that way. I'm not sure if that answered your question specifically. Well, well, just, well I think, one, it was enlightening probably for readers of your stories and for you to find out that we had so many different road agencies. I mean, in some states, uh, the state controls most of the roads. Um, Michigan is is probably on the larger side oh, of number yeah. of governments and numbers of jurisdictions, and that, um, that, that means a lot more to track and a lot more 
sort of languages that you have to speak to each other to make sure that they understand. But I think well, what, what, oh, go ahead. Well, sorry to interrupt. Um, sorry, but um, I think you're right on that. And also it's the expertise that's needed, right? So I learned that not every, so not every local community has a bridge, right? Um, but for those that do, I've learned over and over again, that's a very expensive stretch of road. Um, you know, one lane of deck mile and a bridge is very different than a lane a mile on a road as far as the rehabilitation, replacement, maintenance of that. And, and for these communities that have to um, actually oversee and and make sure these bridges are safe and do the maintenance and plan for rehabilitation, um, sometimes that bridge reconstruction or the rehab is their entire capital budget for a year. So, and the expertise that's sometimes needed to inspect these bridges, which is probably why a lot of folks can do some consulting work with their inspectors, um, varies a lot too. So I know that um, it's a pretty stark trade-off for local communities when they try to repair their bridges when they're a small community and a bridge is such a big part of their transportation budget. Um, yeah. And then I... And then also, there, there are not, you know, other than the MTF fund, the Michigan Transportation Fund, those dollars that are used for both roads and bridges, the state and locals um, obviously use more money on a higher percentage on roads and bridges. There is that program, the local bridge program, that's funded through a half cent on the current gas tax, but that program is capped at about $15 million a year. When I looked at the story, they received over 400, well, they received 427 applications in 2018 for a cost of $308 million, um, but that cap left them at only 105 bridge projects, so maybe one out of four that got funded, um, which a lot of times local communities will apply to this local bridge program fund to help get money to rehabilitate um, or place a bridge year after year after year i've talked to communities and they've tried for several years i mean the need is definitely there among these smaller communities and i'm glad you raised that point because that, that puts in in stark relief you know what the issues are with funding and how these communities are are hurting to maintain you know what we have and it's just like anything uh you know whether it's a a building, a you know, a library, a school, or, or a bridge, um, you have to build it, but then you also have to, to continue putting in money for, for maintenance. And that is is a good segue into why you're speaking to the Transportation Asset Management Council, which I'll admit is a bureaucratic mouthful of, of words, but Michigan has become a pioneer sort of, you know, out of necessity in asset management and figuring out how to use data, uh, just like you did in your reporting, to closely monitor roads and bridges and figure out where can we get the most bang for our buck? You know, what kind of maintenance can we do uh, to maintain something? How much money do we put into it before it has to be completely rebuilt? And I think that's why uh, it's it's so important to, to look at the numbers and, and look at the data and use that as, as your basis for what you do. And, you know, Michigan and several agencies that subscribe to good asset management practices have been able to stretch their dollars because of that. Um, but long term, we're going to have to do something more serious, you know, just like the governor says, fix the damn roads. Um, it's it's still going to be an issue. And I think your reporting uh, has put a, a good spotlight on that. So Thank you. one other thing that um, you found out along the way that any bridge that has a structural problem that's load restricted or, or closed, you'll hear people say, you know, that bridge is dangerous. And, you know, bridge engineers 
bristle at that because they say the bridge itself isn't dangerous. The the way it's been maintained or not maintained is what s sets up a dangerous situation. But how did you wrestle with that language in your stories so you could at once draw attention to the problem but not over-dramatize the condition of any specific bridge? Um, so I guess first thing is I, I put my biases out there. I'm a data reporter, so... Sorry, Jeff, by default, I'm super boring, I gotta be honest. <laughs> and I try to let the data just speak for itself, which doesn't always make my editors happy um, because, you know, writing is kind of drawing people into the story and I can see how that happens. And certainly, I think I've quoted, I think there's a quote here or there. I look for that term when you asked me about this for the council meeting, the, the conference. Um, I look to see if I had that in there. And, I, you know, I know that we did in our definitions. For example, when we tried to explain in our first story that came out, we tried to just lay the foundation, half literally, for the different components of a bridge and to explain how um, a bridge could be rated. You know, up front we are really clear that a bridge listed in poor condition does not necessarily mean it's unsafe. Um, but it does need, it needs attention, right? So we tried to get into the details of what that means and and try to flesh it out. We also um, spent a little bit of time talking about closed bridges or even weight restrictions um, and match now to match now with um, the director of NDOT's bridge program was very clear in, in explaining to me which we include in the story that restricting bridge weights also doesn't mean they're dangerous it means that you know you're trying to reduce the weight to extend the lifetime of the bridge and also to protect it from having a large trucks go over and which would also um, reduce that lifetime so we try to do that in our wording but I got to be honest it's a really slippery slope, too, right? Because when we went out there, after you do the, the hard work of the analysis and trying to understand the data and figure out what, what the inspection process is, we went out and looked at a lot of bridges, um, as many as we could in the time that we had. And um, even the governor had a quote early on that, that we've talked about before about school buses driving over um, that bridge, that Miller Road bridge that was held up with temporary supports. And it's still kind of illuminating. It's kind of a slippery slope where we are in terms of local bridge funding, right? That we have a lot of bridges in poor condition. They're they're open because they're safe right now, but there's certainly going to be a lot more closing. And I think to further illustrate that, when we were talking to Governor Whitner. She uh, mentioned to us, and she said it before, I think, in the in the press after that, that in Michigan we're closing a bridge every other week. Uh, she said closing bridges because there's no real revenue to solve the problem. That's what she said. And, you know, I had to check the numbers to make sure they're right. And, and the, you know, obviously it's right. Um, the data supported that for the year that I was doing the reporting. And I think the bridge closures really are an illustration of when that inspection process is working and people are safe. And that's kind of what we're trying to hold folks accountable to is are these processes working in Michigan, well, as made, best as we can. You just made every bridge inspector's day by pointing that out, because that does mean that the process is working, and it means that their their diligence and vigilance is paying off. So I can't explain Mother Nature. I mean, and there are, you know, this isn't a fail-safe, but that's the most important key, right? The component that I came away with as a reporter is that this inspection process is is a huge piece of, of guaranteeing, uh, not guaranteeing, sorry, of because Mother Nature and other things, but of helping to ensure that these bridges are actually safe for the traveling public to be on. Yeah, well said. That's great. I think that's a good place to, to end it. And uh, thanks again, Christy, for taking the time to do this and for talking to the Asset Management Council as well. 
Thanks for asking me, Jeff. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. And I want to give a special thanks to Corey Peaty, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast, and to Sarah Martin uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.